Hello, everyone, and welcome to Restoration Temple's podcast out of Lima, Ohio. Today, Pastor Gene Salisbury starts a sermon series entitled The Promise of the Father. Let's join him as he gets underway. How many remember Reverend Sam Thomas? Anybody here remember Reverend Thomas? Reverend Thomas was a, a great friend of ours. A, not long after we were saved, we met Reverend Thomas at a, uh, it was a, it was, I bet he, uh, uh, at, a, at a crusade, like in Columbus or whatever. He's from Lima, but we meet out of town. He came to our church in Dunkirk uh, more than once, held its revival, and then came back and preached. And it was always great to have Reverend Thomas there, you know, as uh, just, a, just a very, uh, how you put it, excited brother, and to really get you going. One time when he was there, I'm, I'm saying this between 1965 and 1970, he told us about a dream he had, which I passed along to our congregation most, uh, for most of my ministry. But he said to us, he said, I had a dream. And the Lord showed me that he ranks 11th in my life. He ranks 11th in my life. And I know, I know that at that time when I heard that, I probably would have thought, that's impossible. <laughs> I know, I was, I was on fire for God and loving God with all my heart, you know. And, but I'm going to tell you what's happened over the years. I've had no problem adding up 11 things that can be the first, that can be before God in a Christian's life. I've had no problems. Whether it be the job, whether it be money, whether it be the husband, whether it be the wife, whether it be the kids, whether it be sports, whether it be... I, you, I, as I begin to think now, 11 just becomes easy. <laughs> survey says, survey says, this is what the church said about 20 years ago, we will give you 3.2 hours of our time a week and that's all. I'm trying to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and get people filled with the Holy Spirit. Just think about the, the, the Bible days. Just think about this for a moment. Some of the people, when Jesus ran into some people that were so religious, and so believed what they, so believed their religion, that they would kill you. <laughs> they would, they proved it. <laughs> they would kill you if you didn't agree with their religion. They would also compass land and sea. They would hop on a boat. And Jesus said, you will compass land and sea to get one convert. That's how zealous they were for their religion. He says, of course, after you've made him a convert, you make him twice the child of hell you are, which didn't do Jesus any good. The point being is when Jesus came and those people begin to convert, when you got those people converted, you have fire. When the Apostle Paul He's going on his way, and he's going on his way to Damascus. And he has a lot of zeal. I'm, he has zeal. He was, just like his, he was just like his forefather, Jehu. When Jehu says, get behind me. Get behind me and follow me and see my zeal for the Lord. And so, my point being, when you, when you would get a Paul turned around then, or you would get a Peter turned around, I mean, some of those people were looking for the Messiah. I mean, they were, 
They were steadfastly looking for the Messiah. They were looking for him to come. Not all of Israel, of course, but we're talking about those that were zealous for their religion. And once you got Paul turned around, once you got him converted on the Damascus Road, and then Ananias let him know that I'm here, that you might see and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, you talk about fire. Amen. My, what I'm saying is today, may the Lord light a fire. Amen. May the Lord light a fire. In us, what took care of it for me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit was I got saved. That helped my zeal. Before I was a church member and I, and I went to church and mostly for sports and stuff, but, but I coached at the team, at the, at, the, at the church and everything, played and coached and everything. So I was there mostly for social reasons. But when I got saved, I loved God. I didn't know a lot, but I tell you, I loved God. And I loved his word. And I loved his people. I used to skip church, you know. When I got saved, I just wanted to be in the house of God. And when they would start playing, I remember, because I was raised on a lot of hymns and stuff like that, but after I got saved, what a sound. The, song, the songs of Zion. Talk about thrilling. It was like Morris Cirillo said years ago. He was raised Jewish, you know, raised in a Jewish orphanage. And when he ran into, he ran into this boy, he had a born-again Baptist maid in his, in his Jewish orphanage. So she would clean the place and, and witness on the side. And what he said about her, I never forgot. He said, because he was raised to hear about Joseph. He was raised to hear about Moses. He said, but when she talked, her Joseph came alive. <laughs> That's the difference, isn't it? Her Joseph came alive. <laughs> well, may the Lord do that for us. Amen? May the Lord do that for us. Some people, the Holy Spirit, one of the things we've always said all of our ministry is the Holy Spirit is not optional. The Holy Spirit was never meant to be optional. Let me read this note to you. Some of you will be, some say, well, you will be Pentecostal and some won't. The Pentecostals will experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, but others will not. And that's the way it looks out here. The way it looks. But I believe, and we can prove from the scriptures, and hopefully it'll start today, to show us, to show us that the Holy Spirit was never optional. It was for everyone and still is today. Amen. Let's go with uh, number two, John, Mark uh, 1, 7. And he, John the Baptist, was preaching and saying, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the strings of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen? And he was preaching and saying, After me, one is coming. I'm going to show you the importance of this experience. And what was on the mind of John the Baptist? And what was on the mind of John the Baptist is what's on the Holy Spirit's mind. After me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to stoop down and untie the strings of your sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And one, one version or one other book says, the Holy Spirit and fire. 
There's no doubt, no doubt, in that, that, no doubt that the John the Baptist uh, said that the Lord would baptize his people in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We're mostly reading scripture here this morning, and then we're just going to worship around it. And Peter said to them, Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Amen and amen. Peter said, repent. A major thing, of course. Of course, I had to do that. <laughs> part of my born again experience and part of yours was repenting. Coming clean with God and being forgiven of a past sin. With re repentance became this marvelous born-again experience. A change of heart. Actually became a new person. Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. This varies so much. It varies so much in children. It varies so much in some adults. We have, we have scripture for that. Some can understand this at a very young age and receive. Used to be, the young people used to just get caught up in the atmosphere. You know, they was just, you know, they were in church a lot. <laughs> and so you had more opportunities to, to capture their minds. I like what I see up here. You know, I know Lonnie and Nikki, it's, as you know, they have a few children. One thing they decided to do, which is not an easy task, is they decided to not only sit here, and then they made a decision that the kids were going to worship, that they were going to, in other words, to give them an opportunity to capture the Lord, for the Lord to capture their mind, you know. In other words, this, this, is, this is worship time, this is song time, and this is what we're going to do. Years ago, that used to work on some kids because the Lord would be able to speak to them, the song and begin to speak to the Spirit began to move, you know, and so forth. So it can be a very powerful thing. It doesn't mean it works overnight. It just means over the long haul, God can speak, amen. God can speak. Our son John, he was, he was the exception to the rule among our five children, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and interceded in the Spirit at age five. And everybody doesn't do that. He would be in our prayer meetings. We used to have prayer meetings and on a regular basis in homes and other people's homes. And he would be there just praying and crying with the rest of us, you know. Whether it be for we're praying for individuals or the lost or whatever. I'm going to read this note. It says, there is such a powerful, this is such a powerful scripture. Peter says that the promise, the promised Holy Spirit was for the people he was talking to and for their children. Beyond that, the promise was for everyone in the far-out future. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was for everyone that is called into the kingdom of God. Acts 5.30 says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted 
to his right hand as a prince and a savior, to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So what was on the John the Baptist's mind and what was on the mind of the, of the Apostle Peter? In those early days, when you're, when you're at the fountain, where you're, where you're standing at the, at the fountain, at the, you know, where the water comes out, you're, right at, you're not down river, you're in Acts, we're right at where the water's coming out. In its purest form, or in the Gospels, in the Gospels where we find John the Baptist coming in, or the Lord Jesus in a moment. My question years ago was, what was upmost on their mind? What was in the front of their mind? We won't be able to do it on this message, I don't think, but we can prove also that the prophets of old, one of the main things the prophets of old saw coming was a, baptism, was a mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit. They prophesied about it. And, and in more than, more than one place, they saw the born-again experience and talked about that. They talked about a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. And then they talked about pouring out, pouring out the Spirit of God. A day would come when God would pour out His Spirit. The Holy Spirit God has given to those who obey Him. Then we could go to the Apostle Paul, Acts 19. It happened that, uh, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I kid you not, we were just like this when I got, we were just like this in our Pentecostal church, probably to a fault. But anyhow, one of the things after we were filled with the Holy Spirit and had such an experience in the Holy Spirit, we wanted other people to experience this. I mean, one of the things that was on the job or wherever, you know, wherever we're at, we're looking for opportunities, you know. We're all looking for opportunities not only to have people saved, but we're looking for opportunities. Amazing thing about the church I was raised in, because people that weren't emotional could be concerned about our church. Like, if I take somebody out there, and they're going to have a Jericho march, or... Sister so-and-so is going to cut a rug. You know what I mean? We had a young kid that got saved. He got marbles. He's saved. And, and he lives over in Westminster now. I see him occasionally. But anyhow, as a teenager, he got wonderfully saved. And only one in his family that I know of. One night in one of our services, the Holy Spirit falls, right? This is a night when, you, when many people would not want to have a visitor. So you have people laying all over the floor for one thing, and he begins to jump like he's on a pogo stick. Literally like he's on a pogo stick. The thing is, he went around the church that way. And he missed everybody that was on the floor. He missed everybody that was on the floor. Uh, our pastor would get people going sometimes, and I'll never forget we had, a, we had neighbors who came into the knowledge of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and they just loved our pastor. They would come out and visit. The kids would visit Dunkirk and so forth. They just loved him. Well, he was invited to preach to the full gospel businessman. When the full gospel businessman men was going big in Lima, he was invited to, to speak. Is at the Sweden house when it used to be in the, Amer in the American Mall. And our neighbor lady was so afraid. She said, oh, dear me. 
because you have all these dignified folks coming. And she said, I, I'm so afraid. What's going to happen? Sure enough, it happened. He got going, he got going and praying for people. So you have all this stuff going on, all, all whatever's going on, people being saved and whatever. Uh, I don't know all, all that happened that night, but to top it all off, to top it all off, we have this dignified piano player who was known, she was a, a dignified Pentecostal, not known at all for outbursts of any kind. Could play, and by, at that time, one of the best ever. You just play whatever, you know. She was at the piano, and all of a sudden, she let out a scream and jumped up off that piano bench. And guess what? God had his hand on the whole situation. Everybody loved what was going on because it was of the Holy Spirit, you know. Nobody was blown away, and nobody was blown away, and that's the way it was, it was when they would come out. When they would come out and busy, you'd think, oh, dear me, don't let Sister Matthews do this or whatever, you know. Sister Matthews would start dancing, and she would just jerk and jerk and jerk, and then she would smooth out just like an engine. She would start out like she was you know, 20 degrees below zero, and then she would just smooth out, you know. But that first was just really jerky. You know? and, and you've seen my sister Betty dance. I tried, you know, I coming through the back door. My point is, is that <laughs> God has his way of having, having a hand on things. And it's like, it's just like Kareem said when we went in that first night. When we went in that first night, uh, he said, I don't understand this, but this is just what he needs. About me. I don't understand this, but this is what he needs. Amen? Not every church is that way. Not every church is called to be that way. Every church is different. But I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he wants to bless, he wants to fill. Amen? What's on the Apostles Paul mind? And it happened while Paul, that while Paul was at Apollos, you know, was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, how did they receive the Holy Spirit? How did they receive? When, he, when Paul had what? You can't get saved with a laying on the pan. You cannot get saved with a laying on the pan. They were already saved. Okay? It's another experience altogether. <laughs> John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people, to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. They were all in about 12 men. These notes date back to AD 81 to our foundation series. This is what our people would have got at the beginning of our work. So let me just give it to you here. From this scripture, you can see why the Pentecostals thought it was so important to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
the Apostle Paul thought it was important. <laughs> Paul came to Ephesus, found a few disciples, and the first thing he wanted to know, did you receive the Holy Spirit at the time of your salvation? There was something else that was important to keep in mind. Some say that it was very early on that God poured out the Holy Spirit. In other words, it was very, those first few years that God poured out His Spirit. And then He stopped doing that, especially speaking in tongues. He doesn't do that anymore. Those ceased, you know, back in those early, early days. My reference Bible, though, puts, puts Acts 19 around 54 AD, 54 years after the death of Christ, is when Paul comes to Ephesus and asks this question. So 54 years after the death of Christ and the initial outpouring on the day of Pentecost, God is still pouring out his spirit in the same manner. So it's important to John the Baptist, it's important to Simon, to the Apostle Peter, it's important to the Apostle Paul, but it's also important to the Lord Jesus Christ. John 7, 37, now on that day, the great, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Luke 24, 46, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father. This is... This mighty baptism in the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. We have the great command, the great commission, and we have also the great promise. It's called the promise of the Father. Yeah, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, for you are to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. My note says this, we've just read several scriptures, and from those scriptures, we can see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was utmost in the mind of John the Baptist, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Paul, Luke, and the Lord Jesus himself. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Number 10 says this, the Holy Spirit came from heaven. It filled the house where they were sitting. It filled them. <laughs> they spoke in tongues. Wow. Powerful. Philip, Peter, and John. Acts chapter 8. But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, 
They were being baptized, men and women alike. So they were hearing the word, believing the word, being saved and baptized in water. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And he observed signs, the signs and great miracles taking place. And he was constantly amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, you remember from our study of Charles Parham, in uh, 2015, we did a whole series, like an eight-part series on the history of the Pentecostal movement. And one of the, of course, that would have led us to the great move of God uh, under Charles Parham. Topeka, Kansas, 1901. You remember that he had a Bible school had a Bible school in like his mansion. And so, as it came close to the holidays, the students were going to be dismissed. He gave them an assignment for the holidays. And when they came back, their assignment was this, was to study the book of Acts and to come back and tell him how people received the Holy Spirit. How did people receive the Holy Spirit? So after the, after the holiday is over, they come back, and the class as a whole, their answer was this, by the laying on of hands. The Holy Spirit primarily is given by the laying on of hands. It can't be other ways. God's God can do what he wants to do. People have been filled with the Holy Spirit in, in many ways, but in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, in the book of Acts, primarily, it was through the laying on of hands. And that's when one of the young students, one of the young ladies said, I want you to pray for me. She asked the preacher to pray for, him, pray for her before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so he lays his hands upon the young lady. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. It was kind of a super, really super, supernatural type thing because he was speaking in Chinese and they were able to record it and everything or write it and everything. But there, there in 1901 was a tremendous move of God started in Topeka. It was one of the places, one of the places that the revival, that the revival hit. And a few days later, the preacher himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> along with other students speaking in tongues. <laughs> wow. Verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me, 
this authority, give, give this authority to me as well, so that everyone whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. And that was the wrong thing to say. But they began to lay their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Back in the early 80s, one of our ladies didn't quite believe what she didn't. They, they got her, the family, the people in the family were being saved and, and coming into the church. And, and out of that family, I don't know, maybe 18 or so came, in, came to the church out of that family. She didn't quite believe what she was seeing. People were, people were being slain in the spirit that night. And she said, oh, I'm not being slain in the spirit. Well, guess what happened? She went down, and she was not filled with the Holy Spirit that night. She went home, goes to bed, and while laying her to bed, begins to pray in tongues. God filled her in the bed. God can do what he wants to do. Amen? Well, I mean, what the song say? Jesus made a believer out of me? Yeah, he can do that. He can make a believer out of you. My note says this once again. Notice the importance of this experience to the apostles. The Holy Spirit had fallen upon none of them, but they had received Jesus as Lord and were baptized in water. Now, when, number 13, now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the lane of of the hands, of the, of, he offered them money, saying, Give me this authority, give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He plainly saw there was power here. Uh, he just had the wrong. The prophets of old, the prophets of old saw the Holy Spirit coming. Isaiah 28, 11 says this, For with stammering lip and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest. And this is so important. This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshment. And yet they would not hear. Those of us that are, of course, we're evangelical ourselves, but those of us that are surrounded by evangelical, <laughs> evangelicals, evangelicalism, they're obviously great people, great saints, but if you're not careful, if you're not careful, if you're a Pentecostal charismatic, if you're not careful, you will surrender your core values. You will surrender your core values to a surrounding culture that really needs what you have. <laughs> I, I can tell you this from personal experience. I can tell you from, from more than that. I can tell you from the standpoint of of being a pastor and having to come back and teach other subjects and bring in other subjects because there are so many, so there are so many that's important in the Word of God. And so you leave this subject and you drop it for a couple of years. And, and so it's, and it's because of our limited services. We, like I said, we, we have one service. We have one shot, and that's it. And that's, that's the culture today. But that didn't stop the way it used to be. I used to be able to come back on Sunday night and we just go again, and then it was another world as far as worship, as far as people receiving it. They were, just, they, were just, they were just more Godward, you know. Uh, and you come back in the midweek, you have the same people. Most of everybody, unless they're working, you have the same crowd. And so three times a week, you're just worshiping. And so it made such a difference, such a difference. And so I have wrestled with this, wrestled with this uh, privately, 
for years. I haven't got a clue what to do about it. But I just know it used to be, used to be different in aspect. We used to be much more Godward. We had more hours. <laughs> we just had more time with God corporately. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, and yet they would not hear. Where else in, in the word of God is this prophecy mentioned? 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. You see, he was like from the south. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words in my, with my mind so I may instruct others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil, in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers will I speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me. He comes back and quotes Isaiah right in the midst of speaking and teaching on tongues. He comes back and quotes this great scripture out of Isaiah. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Those of you, those of you that are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you've over the years, haven't you, haven't, aren't you thankful for the comfort that God can bring you? And aren't you comfort for the, thankful for the times he's come upon you in, in such distressful times and times of mental a, uh, anguish and, and temptation and whatever, problems? And, and so I'm sitting, you know, in the last couple of years, I was sitting about 2 o'clock in the morning in the middle of I'm sitting in the middle of the night like, a, like an Indian, <laughs> sitting in my bed, you know, trying to get trying to sleep or go to sleep or whatever. I don't know how, many, how long this goes on, you know. But sometimes I'll put, this, put my ears on and, and I'll listen to some music. And part of the song says, 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, and you're still loving me. <laughs> no one to talk to when I turn on the light, but you're still loving me. And 1 Corinthians 1.14, and I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, be not children in understanding. I'm reading to you now the King James. Albeit <laughs> in malice be, be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written with the tongue, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. If you enjoyed this week's sermon, if you'd like the notes from today, please email us at restorationtempleatlive.com. Thanks again for listening, and have a blessed week.